Welcome back to Liminal Belonging. This is now part three of my in-depth, extensive tarot conversation and exploration with Jay of the Painted Fool podcast. For all those who have been tuning in to each part and sticking with us, I love you, love you, love you so much. In this topic, although we discussed the tarot, the tarot, it really allows me and us to explore so many things that we really love to speak about because this is what we do you know this is what we've been doing all our lives this is you know these are the kinds of of conversations that we have just between the two of us so to share that with our listeners is such a privilege and a grace a gift to me especially so this episode this portion of the episode we will be discussing the full trajectory of the major arcana from the full card all the way through the world and discussing how these stages manifest not only in one's individual life, but reflected even in celebrity. And yes, who can go without speaking about the omnipresent Beyonce? So we use <laughs> we use Beyonce as sort of a case study as we speak about different aspects of her brand, her iconography, and her as a pop culture phenomenon, and how portions of her life on stage and off stage, the mythology and the woman behind the mythology, how these manifest the archetypes of the major arcana. So tune in. And yes, there will be a part four, I'm telling you now. Thank you so much for bearing with us. I really hope that you're enjoying it and learning from it. So let's get right back into it. Heck yeah, like that shit is, it's like deep, not to mention, um, and even in terms of just like letting go, (laughs) like that's difficult, letting, literally letting go and letting things die, dying, all those things. and some 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 of these things are easy for me to do. Like I've been, I'm pretty good with letting certain things go because I kind of I don't like I don't like the same I don't like I just don't like repetitive routine. I get bored quick, um, and that's probably what that that in that Sag <laughs> Moon I get very very bored easily. I don't like um, routine and things like that. I need spontaneity, and I like I like to the newness. I love newness. I love changing and morphing all over again and, and just changing things. So I think letting go has been another thing. Some letting go can be difficult in some in some things like relationships, some relationships, but letting go, I mean, even down to forgiveness, um, all these different things of letting go. And it's, it's a, it's a big, it's a big, 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 big piece, but it's, I don't know. The high priestess is just, it's a favorite of mine. And I always look at it and this kind of goes into the, uh, the fourth question. Like in what ways do you see tarot archetypes in the real world? Seeing certain people embody like Monique Presley, who I always, I call her, you know, she was the attorney for Bill Cosby. Yeah. And she was um, asking, or she was, I think on CNN on one of these channels and people were asking her questions, but she was so careful in her reply, very, very sharp in her reply. I'm like, yo, she's definitely of the swords, of the swords energy. 
Um, for those who don't know, there are four suits for all intents and purposes. I, I say there's five, but um, we're just going to get into the elements. So there's fire, earth, air, and water, and they are identified by suits in the tarot. So we have five, we have the wands, which is fire, the swords, which is air, cups, which is water, and pentacles, which is earth. And um, the swords deals with intellect and... Um, Gosh, to sum it up really briefly, intellect, um, aerial perspective, seeing from multiple vantage points, um, strategy, wit, uh, my goodness, even even compassion, compassion, um, even though some would argue and say that, you know, swords are very detached, there is a degree of compassion because they are very strategic and they typically want you to do well and they pick the best solutions to problems in a way that benefits you. Um, they can be very analytical and observant. Oh, and, I also want to add too. Yeah, um, go ahead. With with the swords too, where that compassion comes in is you have to know how to wield the sword, and there's a burden, mm. a lot. You know, there's a responsibility to wield the sword righteously. And you know how they always say heavy is the crown, but I'd like to also kind of twist it and say heavy is the sword because you mm -hmm. have to understand when and where and how and to whom you swing it, you know, and the different ways that you can use it for destruction or even for survival. Um, right. But I, but yeah, before I just go off into 10 million other things, mm -hmm. but yeah, I just wanted to throw that in there. Go ahead. Yeah. And the sword, you talked about the sword, and the sword is your words. Um, it, it can mean, of course, obviously a literal sword. <laughs> um, yeah, your words, your your actions in relation to your thoughts, your integrity. Um the sword, it's its a lot. It's a lot of different things. But Monique Presley, back to Monique. Um, so I always said people like her, or even Omarosa, uh, <laughs> gives off a very swords energy. Um, so, some, some would say that there's, there's a trickster element. And I would say possibly in, if it were an imbalance, you can be very, you can be a trickster and that would embody the, in the swords area. But yeah, there's, oh, and also the truth, the truth obviously is, um, that's another air element, another swords aspect, as well as spirit. And masculinity is mm -hmm. in the swords as well. Oh, that's well. what I was just about to say. I just, you know, to come again full circle to Oya, mm -hmm. um, I find a, especially a lot of feminine, you know, manifestations of the swords, a lot of you know, women that I see swords embodied in, I also see a lot of that Oya energy, you know, mm -hmm. that masculine uh, warrior woman um, energy, even in the eyes. You know, I think uh, Monique Presley, you know, a lot of the women that we've discussed having that swords energy, I probably would be even willing to guess that in real life if they, you know, were so inclined to get an mm -hmm. ODE5, um, you know, divination, Oya would probably definitely come up and speaking for them, um, if not on their head. But yeah, just mm -hmm. yeah. So, um, I mean, there's this guy. Uh, he's like he's an astrologer. I don't really, I don't watch him as much, but I see him frequently. Um, his name is the Leo King. Um, I would call him a King of Wands. You know, he he has a very charismatic, very cool, very professional. He's all about the show, but he's also very thorough. 
someone even down to music artists like Don Richard, not to mention that they do they are born under the under the astrological sign of Leo, they actually do embody those that very hot individual independent personality and um, they're very fearless and they have they have masculine qualities about themselves very creative they're very they're very smart and intelligent and again they, their personality is very spicy I can a couple I can name off the top of my head in terms of like the tarot archetypes in the real world um I just want to quickly add you know about the wands and I actually was uh, holding this from way in the beginning when you were speaking about the wands but also for me wands kind of represents that old adage, you know, faith without works is dead. So mm. uh, wands definitely embody the work behind what you believe in and what you believe you are manifesting or seeking to manifest because you can intellectualize and rationalize or, you know, even fantasize or dream or pray what you want or what you want to become, but without the works of those wands, you know, it all comes to naught. It's all vanity. So mm -hmm. that's one thing I wanted to put in there about the wand suit.
So in what ways do you see tarot archetypes in the real world? Oh, man. I mean, you know me. <laughs> I mean, <just laughs> in all kind of, you know, movies and um, musicians, even songs themselves, you know, can embody the kind of sound of the archetype of a card. But uh, whew, I see, um, I mean, where can I start? <laughs> um we can talk about maybe, you know, and I just hate to bring this person up, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, you can talk about Beyonce, for instance, and right off the bat, you know, on the surface, you may conceptualize her as, you can definitely see her as embodying the Empress in the sense of having it all, you know, mm -hmm. manifesting this world of wealth and luxury and beauty all around her. However, what I like, one of my favorite tarot decks is the Delphi, the Delphi Oracle. And I believe it's out of print. The Delphi Tarot had actually two representations of the Empress, which I thought was really cool. And one Empress was, you know, very beautiful, like just laying in, you know, a field of roses and um, really embodying the more sensual, lush, aspects of the empress but there was another card for the empress that represented like this this warrior woman um at her you know holding down her kingdom like i'm i, I almost want to say it may have been a depiction of cleopatra it was really you know representing this more feral or fierce aspect of the empress and and it made me think you know what does it take to possess all of that and maintain it because inevitably this empress even when she is luxuriating in all that she has gained um and reveling in the acclaim and the love and adoration of the world around her and all her subjects so to speak um you know we of course, we know she's the queen bee, <laughs> but um, at the same time, we have to acknowledge the fierceness in that. I mean, no pun intended, you know, think about Sasha Fierce as the other side of that coin. You know, what does it take to be a woman and a businesswoman of that type to amass that type of power and prestige? Mm -hmm. and maintain it you know to be able to create your own kingdom um, what does that require and what does that indicate about what kind of fighter you are to fight for your beliefs and your vision and fight for that level of respect so i think that's an aspect that a lot of people don't necessarily think of or talk about or even write about when it comes to the empress but beyonce is probably somebody that i i think would embody both manifestations of that empress archetype Right, because the common, the common, the image you when you see the Empress, it always she always looks, you know, like she's just resting and she's just chilling, and it looks like things just come to her. It looks like she was, it almost looks like she was just born into it, like she was born into the the garb you see, and that's just she just kind of just sits there, like oh, this is just me, you know, da da da. da. But what are the behaviors? What are the what is all that that comes to that? Like that amounts to that. What are, what are the characteristics? What are your your day to day? Like you know what I mean? Because again, you might be able to see that in someone who looks a bit more armored, 
like down to the minor arcana. You might say, okay, well, this person has this, these qualities and they're doing this. But when you see the empress, it just doesn't appear that way. It just looks like, okay, this is just a metaphor for this or that. So would you suggest that there are physical characteristics or uh, personality traits that are in the major arcana that could um, that can be as symbols of archetypes of a person in that degree of someone that may have both positive and negative traits, particularly in the Empress. So typically when it comes to the Empress, like we, the image that we see, like we're, let's think of the right away deck. So the Empress just kind of looks like she was just born into it. It doesn't look like she's amassed to this status. It kind of looks like she was just yeah. kind of like inherited this, this uh, queendom and she inherited like these harvests symbolisms and these Venus symbolisms and archetypes exactly. and these different things, but it doesn't seem as if like there are qualities or behaviors that will, that lead you to that archetype. So whether positive or negative, it, the Empress just gives off a very like, you know, oh, this person was just, this person just inherited this and she's very kind and mild mannered. And, you know, she's the, the mother of all mothers or she, she symbolizes birth and harvest and very, very bright and, and sunny privilege. That's what the the Empress kind of just gives off like, you know, uh, we don't really give the Empress that much attention. Well, at least I haven't. The Empress didn't get that much, didn't get that much focus, at least back in my times of doing divination for myself or just researching. The Empress always just gave off this vibe of, you know, just in there kind of, you know, in, in the position symbolize manifestation, but that's really it. Yeah. And I have to admit, I was the same exact way until I came on the Delphi Oracle deck. That really dynamically changed my interpretation of the Empress. And I'm so thankful that I was able to glean that understanding and, and uh, reconceptualization of the Empress through that deck. And um, coming back to Beyonce, she, a lot of people can take her for granted and, oh, you know, she just, she's the queen of the world. She's just this gracious queen and everybody loves her. And she's so sweet and kind. Don't think about the hard work it took her to get there. Most of the public doesn't even remember days when she wasn't as applauded and acclaimed as she is now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember days where they were harshly critiquing some of her songs and albums. There was competition with even other artists that at the time were regarded as better than she was. Understanding in what it takes to cultivate one's brand as one's kingdom to maintain that. The Empress in this case is also a warrior and like you said we don't think about that aspect of the Empress. We think about all the flowers and the luxury and the beautiful symbolisms like you said of the harvest but we don't think about what it takes to reap that harvest. We don't mm -hmm. think about the work. We have been so far removed from being an agricultural society since the advent of industrialization. We don't even think about the work and the sweat and toil that it takes to even bring in a harvest. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we don't have that relationship with the ground or with the earth, you know, to plant and to sow and to cultivate. It takes patience. Even I think recently I saw a headline about her um, reaping the benefits of, of the Uber investment. You know, people just think this stuff happens overnight. These are money moves that they have done. You know, she and Jay-Z are known for that. You know, I, you know me. I've followed them very closely for very many years. Um, and I know things that 
people are like, oh, he just bought this, this, you know, sports team or, you know, she just bought this sports team. And I'm like, no, I remember it really was about 12 years ago when it first was even whispered about. And they're just now coming really public with it, actually manifesting it. So it takes a lot of patience and diligence, a lot of ruthlessness to maintain that kind of prestige and power. Mm-hmm. So let's use, we're going to just use Beyonce right now. So would you say to a degree, she would be somewhat of a magician having wielded a lot of those minor qualities to build her identity? And, oh, yes. Yeah, you know what I mean? Now, so Beyonce, the beautiful thing about Beyonce is um, she manifests quite a few archetypes. She could easily manifest all three or even all four, the magician, the high priestess, the empress, and the emperor, even strength. You know, she could manifest strength at one point, at least those four, mm-hmm. the magician, the high priestess, the empress, and the emperor. She definitely embodies all of them. No need to ask you heard about us. No need to ask you heard about us. Already know you know about us. No need to ask you heard about us. No need to ask you heard about us. Watch your mouth when you're around us. Pull up, how about break? Got no time, but we got protects. Ah, come around, stepping on next. My nigga got niggas upset. Why? Oh, why these bitches so mad for? They don't want y'all say on their door. Louis Lug, I took your four door. Careful, you'll get what you ask for. We go. equips the fool with the tools. Uh, Let's put it this way. When you go back to the Jungian archetypes, fairy tales are a big part of this collective unconscious as well. For me personally, I always, always, always wanted to see a never-ending story, (laughs) a tarot deck. I wish someone would. Oh, man. But um, I think that would fit the arcanas and the suits so perfectly. Like, I could just see it. Stories like Lord of the Rings, you know, the never-ending story, the sword and the stone, and King Arthur. These 
collective archetypes, oftentimes literally modeled after the Tarot, even The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Both authors, actually, C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien were initiated members of the OTO and the Golden Dawn Orders. So it is absolutely no accident that the characters and the scenarios in in these epics mirror so much of the 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 fool's journey in the tarot the magician is the one kind of like when you think of young king arthur and the magician merlin what does merlin teach him not only in the ways of magic but it just in the ways of being a king what it takes to be a king what weapons and not literal weapons but of course weapons in your character you know in your strategy your interactions how do you use that to manifest these things in your life i think the magician where the magician contrasts with the high priestess of course as masculine and feminine the magician empowers in a more practical way and i think in a way that is indicative of one's um interaction with the external world and navigating other personalities um and challenges in that way whereas Mm. the high priestess she teaches and equips and empowers one with the alchemy of the internal self mastering the demons from within and the conflicts of within back to that sense of those watery mysteries you know dealing with one's emotions and alchemizing those in ways that through that mastery again manifest um, the more idealized desires or characteristics of oneself if we were to come to Beyonce's life for instance we may even think if we wanted to make a hierarchy of this we may even think of Matthew her father as Mm -hmm. the magician in her life and her mother as the high priestess I mean we could be very tongue-in-cheek about it uh, and think about her mother's Creole background and dabblings with the New Orleans voodoo um, you know if we wanted to really go there but you you know, on a very real sense, the mother has taught her how to uh, manage her temperament, how to manage her emotions in order to get what she wants. Whereas her father, Matthew, can be seen as the magician who teaches her about the industry mm. and the outside world and competition and, um, right, 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 right. you know, all of those kinds of practical aspects in order for her to become the icon that she is. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So um, how would that? This is this is beginning getting more interesting. So, <laughs> so how would that magician teaching her as the fool then go to the empress, which will go all the way down to the world? Mm-hmm. And you know what I mean? Like, I mean, obviously we can't take take that whole entire path right now, but all, all the way down. I mean, from the moon, the star, the sun. I think um, the tower, mm. you know, all the all of those justice, you know, just thinking about that. If we could look at it as, a, as an actual journey. Just right off the top of my head, the chariot could be seen as um, Destiny's Child as a whole mm. would have been an obvious chariot for her. The tower, if you know, what jumped out at me just now would be kind of the, the lemonade experience, the, Mm. you know, whatever she, how she mythologized herself and her experience with infidelity or whatever was really the root of it all. Because the tower is kind of, of course, when your world kind of turns upside down after you've dealt with, okay, because, well, let's back it up a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. When you're dealing with the trajectory from the hanged man and this kind of suspension of your identity as what you thought it was, and the hanged man really comes along at the point where you realize you don't know anything at all. So the fool um, has gone through all of these experiences with the magician, high priestess, emperor, empress, um, you know, and just gone even through the strength archetype. The hanged man has, you know, conquered his beast you know, and his internal self-destructive characteristics, mm-hmm. you know, just come through all of these things. So just when you think, oh man, he's got it made, you know, he's dealt with all that. He's conquered all that. He's become so equipped. Then the hanged man comes and you are suspended in this realm of understanding that even through all that, you you really know nothing at all. Mm-hmm. And then all of that was really an illusion because it still was externalized, you know, because right. still you look at, oh, well, the magician taught me this. And, you know, it's like, no, well, okay, forget all of that. Throw that all out the window again mm-hmm. <laughs> and realize that you still have to die to yourself, which is where the death card comes in. You come into this realm of the temperance where you are balancing all these characteristics of yourself. And mm-hmm. balance is such a trite, you know, banal way of putting it. Yeah. But, you know, where you are understanding the delicate art of the moderation of all of your virtues and your vices mm-hmm. and why they serve you simultaneously because the the goal is not even to repress or deny or eradicate even your vices the mm-hmm. goal again is to transmute that and allow it to complement your virtues in a way that motivates and even strengthens your vir- virtues you know that's the trajectory you know the hanged man you deal with just throwing all that out of the window and coming to understand through the death of yourself, the death of your ego, that you have the power within to alchemize all of all of that, all that you are. And then even after that, you come, you know, you confront the devil, you confront these these temptations that test you to mm-hmm. say, oh, okay, you thought you mastered something. Well, let's see. You know, when you're confronted with the temptation to reignite those vices in a negative way, again, whether whether through greed or lust or whatever. And then the tower comes when your whole sense of self and reality and your whole world is turned upside down and destroyed. And it kind of makes me think, going back to the Bible, about the book of Job, you know, where Satan literally is given authority to destroy everything in this man's life. Just to see, you know, what will you be when all of this is destroyed? Will you still have faith? Will you still believe? Will you still be a righteous man? Will you still cultivate honor even through all of the destruction around you? All of the slander and conspiracies, all of the death and damnation, condemnation and pain and illness. What are you after all of that destruction? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that was a pivotal moment in Beyonce's life to expose that destruction. You know, if we take the story at face value, because of course she makes it sound like it was, you know, one significant time or one particular individual, we can very well suppose that this probably was something that was going on for years and years, multiple Mm -hmm. times, but If we just take lemonade at face value, we can say, wow, this was an experience where, okay, she thought she made it. She thought she was on the top of the world with this wonderful, perfect relationship. But what does she do when all of that just ripped from under her feet? You know, when all Mm -hmm. of that is just 
turned upside down and just blasted apart. Is she still what she thinks she is? And is what she is contingent upon even Jay-Z or her family or, you know, whatever around her that she may think has built her up to be this. Mm -hmm. And when all of that is burned down, um, you know, just like, again, back to alchemy and even with gold, you know, burning away the dross, burning away that which is unnecessary. You know, what do you find after all of this has been destroyed? And that's really the meaning of the tower archetype. coming into these more celestial aspects. Yes. Um, yes. The star is kind of, again, after your whole life has been destroyed, all of the external parts of what you think life is about. You know, what are you from a very primordial level? You know, what mm -hmm. is that inner spark that really, you know, really speaks to the pre-existing 
self. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about, you know, the star as kind of that that mitochondrial Eve moment, you know, yes, that's right, right, right. primal, literally the first piece of DNA <laughs> that ever was created, you know, mm-hmm. thinking about it on that sense. But also just thinking about the star as what well, kind of this embryonic stage of self. You know, I've always wondered why, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I always wonder why, you know, how it's always, it's the star, moon, and the sun. And I always felt it would be the moon, star, and the sun for some reason. I never understood that. Like, why is it in that order? The star, because I remember like one of the main, what was one of the words they would say, the star symbolized hope. But then the moon was all about the illusions and, and the things. And I would always imagine the moon coming after that tower moment, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like a symbolism of disorientation after that, like, you know, what do I do next? And then eventually the moon would reveal that it's just, it's a reflection of the sun. The star mm-hmm. is when it, that's when the newness begins. That star, it, it just, to me, it always gave me that idea. And then the sun came <laughs> yeah. forth. So I was wondering like, why is this the moon? I mean, the star first, then the moon, and then the sun, mm-hmm. and then judgment. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I see that you know i could see i could see where you would um think that mm-hmm. but i think you know for me um for me it it does make sense you know to mm-hmm. have that destruction because if you think about think about the tower as like an apocalyptic experience right and then everything just falling after such torrential destruction everything just falling into complete darkness mm-hmm. and you think about a star just that first little twinkle mm-hmm. of resurrected life or not even resurrected but just that little twinkle of origin of Mm -hmm. um existence and then you come into the star kind of growing in its light but still still coming out of these shadows and illuminating these shadows Mm -hmm. so you have the little twinkle but then you still have such profound darkness Um, the little twinkle represents like that twinge of light that is inextinguishable Mm -hmm. despite all of that destruction and what is continuously created and recreated out of that and then you have the moon that is still in a larger sense illuminating this darkness because think about it i mean the star really doesn't illuminate darkness it's kind of just there in spite of the darkness but the moon actually serves to illuminate through the darkness for you to see for you to confront yes to confront the shadows that were the reason behind the destruction of that tower but more importantly for you to start to navigate your way as this new creation of the star through the light of the moon before manifesting the fullness of yourself as the sun. Or um, even if you don't view the sun as yourself, that idea of stepping out into the sun, you know, that Mm -hmm. idea of being worthy to be out into the world again, you know, um, to have the sun shine upon you. After all that destruction and the inevitable disorientation of it, you know, you come to that point where you're able to be illuminated again Mm -hmm. in your most purest form. And the judgment in that transition to the judgment, it is not necessarily, I mean, it could be, but it's not necessarily you being judged. Sometimes it can be the sense of you being the judge now. So now you've been illuminated and empowered through all of these journeys. And now you, with that wisdom you've cultivated, can rightly judge or perceive the world around you and your belonging in it. And then 
you know, of course, go on to attain the world, not as an external thing of wealth or belonging or whatever, but the world inside of you and to understand that the world has always been inside of you. And mm-hmm. even as a human being, I mean, on a really, you know, an actual scientific level, every aspect of the world is truly inside of us. Every mineral, every chemical, yes. every single thing in the world is within us. So once you realize that, then there's nothing that you can't be or can't have um, because you've already manifested it just in your being without even trying. So the fool then finds out that he's gone through this journey to find something that he always was anyway. So, Mm -hmm. you know, so that's how it all comes full circle back, you know, from the fool to the world. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. to me. 
All right, on to part four. I am continuously so, so, so grateful for those of you who are listening to each segment of this particular episode, this particular discussion. Um, And even those who have actually taken the time to listen to each episode, that is such a blessing for me because I truly, truly put so much heart and soul and time into this. I mean, you just... You just don't even know. <laughs> With three children full time, 24-7. I mean, no, I'm talking no daycares, no babysitters. Um, you know, just just being a full-time mom and, you know, a single mother and, you know, triumphing over so much trauma that I've just recently gotten out of. And this is such a blessing to me. This is such a joy. My faith is my number one joy, uh, my children. And then this, you know, this is what keeps me alive. And, um, it's such a gift to be able to share this as a whole, as a project. (laughs) And I'm so glad that I, uh, decided to finally do it, um, and put myself out to the world So for all those who are listening, I just want to say a special, special thank you right now, Um, especially those who are taking the time to listen to each episode all the way through, um, and especially this this special discussion that I've been having with Jay um, of the Painted Fool podcast. So anyway, this the the music in this episode, you know, that's my favorite part. Um, <laughs> and I didn't even get to do all the songs I wanted, um, but we'll do that for part four. Um, the music in this episode has been Blow by Don Richard, Heard About Us by The Carters, Haunted by Beyonce, um, and Desired Constellation by Bjork. So stay tuned for the next segment of this episode, our discussion as we wrap it up, finally. Again, thank you. Until next time, be well.